Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March the 5th, and our scripture passage for today is Joshua chapter 3. Well, we're on a journey with God. We're walking on the way with Him. And when we come to chapter 3, Joshua rose early in the morning. Isn't that interesting? He was a morning person. Jesus was a morning person. A lot of people down through history are morning people. Then Joseph rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove, that very place that we talked about in the last chapter. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they had lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was that after three days that the officers went through the camp. And here's what they said to the people, get ready. And Joshua, this is chapter 3 and verse 5, And Joshua said to the people, Set yourselves apart for tomorrow. You know what that means in our language, get ready. Do you know that many times we miss God because we don't stay ready? We think God's just going to come and he's going to shake us and then he'll shake us again. I mean, God is merciful, but God's not a snooze alarm. When God says do something, he says get up and do it. The people needed to get ready. They needed to put their clothes on. They need to get their gear ready. They weren't going to just halfway do something. They were about to move, and this is what they had been marching through that wilderness in anticipation of doing for now almost 40 years, and God said, It's time. Verse 7 And the Lord said to Joshua, This is the day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all the people, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You know, only God can do that. We can't, as leaders, put ourselves up before the people and say that we're something. When that happens, we go to nothing. The Bible says, If a man exalts himself, he'll be abased. If he lifts himself up, he will be put down. You see, in the Christian life, we learn a lot of paradoxes. The way up is down. The way to live is to die. The way to be exalted is to humble yourself. This is the way God always does it. And the leader is not to exalt himself. The Lord is to do that. And this is what happened with Moses. This is what happened with Joshua. This is what happened with all of the people. You'll always see and God let whoever it is find favor with the Lord and with the people only God can lift somebody up and by the way if we lift ourselves up we've got to keep ourselves going I've said to many men of God and churches down through the years if I initiate something I have to sustain it in other words if I start something I have to keep it going I have to maintain it but when God starts something when God initiates something when God leads us to do something 
something, then you better believe God will put his name on it and he will sustain it. That means he'll provide. And you say, well, I did something one time and I know God was in it. We all did, but he didn't provide. Well, you may have gotten in a hurry and gone out in front of him. We'd like to do that. You know, we are a microwave generation. We want it yesterday. Ask any printer in town. They'll tell you that. Any seamstress in town. They'll tell you that. Any cleaners in town. They'll tell you that. We are absolutely impatient. And so the Bible says God began to lift up Joshua this day. Why? Because you've got to trust your leadership. You've got to follow leaders. And they need to be trustworthy men that God can use. They have to be trustworthy women that God can use. Because you see, men and women trust those people that are true to their word and that they know that are following God. And so the scripture says that God told Joshua, here's what I'm going to do. So Joshua and the children of Israel, they listened to the words of the Lord. And God said, according to verse 11, that the ark was going to go in first. And that when God's presence through the ark that was being carried by the priest, the scripture says that in verse 15, and all those that bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water for the waters were overflowing their banks because it was the time of harvest. Now this means it was the end of the rainy season, which means that it was probably what we would call late February, early March. And this is the winter wheat crops would have been about ready to harvest. So the Jordan had had the runoff from a hundred miles plus to the north and it was now coming to where it was going to end up and it was raging. The water was raging and so the Bible says as soon as they dipped their feet into the water that God stood the Jordan up and it was cut off all the way up to Adam. Now, Adam is where the fords were. Matter of fact, there's a border crossing there today where they built a bridge across there. Now you can cross from Israel into Jordan, Jordan into Israel. It's a very popular border crossing. There's one down near where the children of Israel were camped that's called the Allenby Bridge on the Israeli side. But to give honor to the king of Jordan, it's called the King Hussein Bridge. And that's what most people know it by. But the bridge at the Adam Ford is where the water went all the way back and dried up there. Why? Because there was a lot of people that had to cross and they crossed on dry ground. And the water that was to the south toward the Dead Sea, it ran on into the Dead Sea and out into its depths. And so the Bible says that the priest stood firm on dry ground. But now listen to this. God said, I'm going to part the waters But the people have to get ready to go, and they have to be ready to move when I say move. So they have to inch up there to where they can go the moment I say to, and the priests actually have to dip their feet in the water. That means they had to get their feet wet. That's right. You see, sometimes if we're going to have the blessing of God, and I would say most of the time if we're going to have the blessing of God, God's going to call us to action. And he's going to see if we're going to obey in a small step. Because you see, if you and I won't obey in the small steps, there's a better than likely chance we're not going to. Well, as a matter of fact, it's going to happen every time. 
If we're not faithful in something little, we're not going to be faithful in something big. Now you say, well, you know, that's playing the percentages. No, it's playing what the Bible says. Because Jesus said, if you are not faithful in little, you won't be faithful in much. Now he's never wrong. But he said, if you're faithful in little, you're going to be faithful in much. And so all he did was ask them to get their feet wet. And so they did. And when they did that, they immediately saw the great hand of God, a miracle of God. But unless they got their feet wet, it would have never happened. Unless they stepped in the Jordan, it wouldn't have happened. Now, this is all the way through the scriptures. When we go to the book of Judges, we're not going to deal with this in particular. So let me tell you now that here was a man by the name of Barak. We call him Barak. Barak was up on Mount Tabor with a wonderful judge by the name of Devorah, Deborah. It was Barak who should have led the way down the mountain but he wouldn't do it without Deborah. And she said, okay, I'll do it. But now the glory is going to go to a woman, not to you. And who do we remember? We remember Deborah. And we sing songs of Deborah, not of Barak. Why? Because he was too timid. He was too shy. He's like that husband says, well, you know, I'm not into that. I'll let my wife do it. Well, I'm not going to, you know, be the spiritual leader in the home. My wife, you know, she knows the Bible. She reads the Bible. She tells me about it. Well, that's just the opposite of what it's supposed to be, sir. It's about time you put on some pants and started being the spiritual head of your family. And you start calling your wife and your children to prayer. And you call your wife and your children to read the Word of God. Uh, Get them in this Bible reading plan or some other one and take the lead. I mean, after all, do you want people to say, well, she's sure the spiritual leader of that home. We know who wears the pants in that family. You know, I'm not talking about you being a bruiser and you being somebody that's abusive or some kind of heavy-handed overlord. That's not what being a spiritual leader is and being the leader in your home. It's being a man of God. It's being a lover of your wife. It's being a loving father to your children and a guide to your children. You see, you're going to be held responsible whether you're the spiritual leader or not. God's going to hold you responsible to be the spiritual leader. Oh, he'll bless your wife, but you're going to miss out, sir. And by the way, I've been a pastor of a church a long time. People they will honestly, I, I wish it wasn't so, but people will think less of you because you're not the leader in the home. You're just there and you're coasting along and that wife's going to have you by the ear and tell you what to do. And everybody knows it. That'll stop the moment you start being the spiritual leader in the home. Well, that's enough on that. But I want you to understand that the glory of leadership needs to be in the responsibility of the leadership and the privilege of leadership should go to the man, not to the woman woman in the home. And that's another story if if there's not a man in the home, but you know what I'm talking about. And this is the rule, not the exception. What I'm trying to get across is that unless we do our part, God's not going to do his part. Now, this is all the way through Scripture. It is in precept, principle, and pattern. And I have tried to say this over and over again. My Jewish friends that are from the old school when you still milk cows and goats and so forth, many times a father would tell a seven or eight-year-old boy that would watch him milk and then be taught how to milk. They would say to their son, you know, son, I'm going to tell you a mystery. And uh, one day I'll explain it to you. But cows do not give milk. They don't. They don't give milk. 
And that would puzzle that young man. He'd say, wait a minute, maybe you're saying, wait a minute. Yes, they do give milk. Well, okay. Well, this was the way that they piqued their interest. And indeed, they did. And so after a period of time, when they would continually say, I'm telling you, cows don't give milk. And that mystery was not settled until the father would take the son to the barn. He would set the stool down. He would set the bucket under the udder, and he would hobble the legs uh, so that cow couldn't kick. He would, uh, with his son, look at that bucket, look at that stool, look at the hobble on the legs, and here's what he would say. That cow doesn't give milk. Son, you've got to take it. You've got to milk the cow. You see, God's provided milk. God has provided everything we need. But God is not going to milk the cow for us. God is not going to walk in the water for us. God is not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. And he expects us to do for ourselves and tells us to do for ourselves. God has a part in our walk with him. And we have a part with our walk with him. I've said it before. The Bible gives us commands. Be Fill with the Spirit of God. That's a command. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. That's a command. Pursue holiness. Chase after holiness. Over and over again, we are told to do things. And if God did it all, then why would he command us to do something? And you say, well, I can't do that. Listen to me. God would never and will never, shall never command us to do anything that he doesn't enable us to do, give us the grace to do, give us the gifts to do. If God calls you to do something, please understand God will enable you to do it. The priest stepped into the water, and God parted the waters. And then they walked to the center. In the next chapter, we'll learn what they did as they walked on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.